0: This is an exciting place to be. Amen? Amen. It really is. And boy, look out. This is a good-looking crowd here tonight. I mean, where do you go to church and you get an opportunity to compliment yourself even before you get started? So to give you one more shot, here we go. Boy, this is really a good-looking crowd here tonight. Well, that sounds a whole lot better. Amen. God bless you. Thanks. Be seated if you would, please. And I want you to turn your Bible to the book of Romans. Turn your Bible to the book of Romans. I've had the privilege today to spend a lot of time with your preacher and talk about some things and fellowship about other things. And these are great days to be alive. These are great days to see God work. I don't know of anywhere that I know that it seems like God's got a group of people that are pushing the buttons to try to do what they can to reach people, help people, any more than I do right here at what's going on in the temple. I mean, it's great to see what God is doing. It's great to be a part of it. Amen. And uh, I trust that God will bless the few minutes we have to spend together tonight. The concept of being able to come together and study the Bible like it is just absolutely wonderful. Because in the final analysis, we need to know everything we can about truth. Truth is the foundation of everything in our life, and we need to have a source of that. And of course, the source is the Word of God, and we thank God for it. I ask people to do this sometimes, so I'll ask you, how many of you have a Bible, hold it up good and high? How many folks have a Bible? Isn't it great to have a Bible? You know, it really is. How many have an electronic Bible? How many electronic Bibles do we have here tonight? Brother Malcolm, my wife came to me. She said, David, she says, is it all right if I start bringing my iPad to church and look up the Bible in an iPad? And I said, why wouldn't it be? She said, somebody might not think I got a Bible. I got thinking about that. They may be right. Maybe you're doing something else. But I am very, very glad that you've got the Word of God. It's great. What I want to read is a verse together. I'm going to read it, then I'm going to have you read it aloud. We're going to do something a little different tonight. And I trust that it'll be something, you can write something down. Do you have a pencil or a pen? Have a piece of paper? We're going to stay right in Romans chapter 8 the entire night. And I trust it'll be a blessing. Romans chapter 8, verse 28, one of the most popular verses in the Bible. And I'm going to read it aloud. I want you to look at it as I read it. Romans 8, 28, the Bible says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called." according to his purpose. Would you read that aloud with me together? Let's read. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Now, I'd like for us to answer one simple question about that verse and use the entire 8th chapter to do it. And the one question I'd like for us to answer together is when God said in Romans eight twenty-eight, all things work together. Did God really mean all things? In other words, does all things, does it really mean all things? Let's pray. Lord, I trust that you'd just touch our hearts, that God should meet needs that are here tonight, that you give us understanding, help us, God, that we could be prepared to even help others. And may this be a time this evening when we meet with you personally. I pray that, God, every burden that's in this room, every heavy heart, and God, those that may not have a problem they're facing, that are looking forward to making decisions, God, may we learn things tonight that help us to thank you for our salvation and thank you for the very, very special relationship we have with you while we're here on this earth till you come back. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. It seems to me that everywhere I go and every time I turn on news or everywhere I look around, people ask them the question today, is anybody really in control? Fox News, I understand from a survey I had somebody help me take in the last two years, has used a phrase very akin to that over 20 times in the last 18 months. We look at ISIS. We look at things happening around us. We look at what's happening in Iran. We look at different things happening here in America and abroad. And and it seems like one of their commentators has used a phrase like this, is anybody really in control? Or does anybody know what's going on? Or does anybody know what it's going to be like tomorrow? What are future things really going to be like? Now, before we start to look at the Bible, let me just stand and tell you that God Almighty Himself is in control. He's 100% in control. God's not behind time. He's not ahead of schedule. He's right on time. So thank God that we serve a God who knows the end from the beginning. The Bible says the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. So we understand that, but how does that apply to me? I mean, realistically speaking. Several years ago, our ministry headquarters was outside of Chattanooga, and I got off a plane, and uh, I, I went to Tennessee Temple University, and this was when it was in one of his time when all the auditorium was filled with people. They had students from all over the 50 states and around the world, and I'd fly in from a crusade and get off a plane on Thursday, and they'd invite me once in a while to come speak in chapel. So I got off the plane, Chattanooga, and I went down, and within an hour I was on campus, I did not know this, but the night before, there was a young man there that was graduating that year that was in their pastor's program who had pastored one of their satellite churches up on the mountain. And this young man was married, had two small children, and he was in one of the leaders among their preacher boys and had been selected as maybe, they didn't want to title him this, but the most likely to succeed. Outstanding young man, outstanding young preacher. The afternoon before I got on that campus, he had a U-Haul truck. They were graduating that year, going to the northeast of the Planet Church. He walked around the side of the U-Haul truck, and a car side-swiped the, the truck on the other side and hit that young man right in front of the college and killed him on impact. Now, I need to ask you tonight to think about that. When God said that all things work together for good, did God really mean it? Does all things really mean all things? You know, it's pretty good when you talk about philosophy, and it's pretty good when you talk about international and national things, but when it gets down to when you pick up the telephone and somebody's got cancer. You pick the telephone up and you find out that maybe a small child has tragically been killed, or you go to a funeral and have to follow a small casket to the graveyard. And there's not a one of us that do not ask the question sometime, We may not even like to vocalize it aloud but does all things really mean all things is god truly working all things together for our good i was speaking in a crusade about i think about 10 11 years ago now and it's one of our northern states and they had pushed hard to have a big crowd that morning we had lots of people accept christ as savior that morning one was a very lovely young lady it was a single mother and uh she came forward and trusted Christ and got all excited about her salvation and came up afterwards and had a little five-year-old girl with her. And uh, she and the little girl would kind of hang around front. I got a chance to shake hands with her and know her a little bit. I went back to the motel after the service on Sunday night. She came back Sunday night and was all excited about being saved and knowing Christ is her Savior. Then Monday morning, about 10 o'clock in the morning, she's walking down the street. You know how five-year-old children are. That five-year-old girl was holding her hand and skipping and joking with the mother, and jerked a hand out of her mother's hand, ran between some cars, ran to the edge of the street, and a pickup truck coming all the way hit that little child 24 hours almost to the minute from when that lady had trusted Jesus Christ as her Savior. 24 hours almost to the minute, the car hits the little girl and drags her down the street and kills her. Two hours later, I find out about it. What You do, you pray and you sympathize, but then you must ask yourself the question also, how strong is our faith? Where do we really stand? I mean, let's be honest about it. Does all things really mean all things? When the Bible says in Romans 28, that all things work together for our good, is that really true? Does that really mean something? Now, tonight I want us to look at Romans chapter eight, and let's try to get an answer to that question. I'm going to give you a couple of things to outline. I want you to write down, if you would, just a couple of things with me tonight. Before we start, let me stand. I wish I could say this more emphatically. I wish I could have a drum roll. I wish you could maybe have the screens to go back and forth. We do something so all of us could get on board. Big announcement. Ladies and gentlemen, it may not look like it. It may not seem like it. Everything on this earth physically may look the opposite. But I want you to know, whether we understand it or not, on this earth, when God said in Romans chapter 8 and verse 28 that all things work together for good, I want to stand here and say that all things really does mean all things. Now, how can you know that? Number one, you ready to write it down? Number one. You can know that I'm staying in Romans chapter 8, great chapter of the Word of God. Number one, you can know that because we are the children of God. We are the children of God. Would you say aloud with me? I am a child of God. Say it aloud with me. I am a child of God. Now, some of you didn't say that, so I'm going to give you one more shot. Here we go again. It'll make you feel good to say that. Say it with me. I am a child of God. If you look very carefully at the Bible, verses 1 through 17, actually, you're going to find the Bible has a whole section in the Scripture that talks about our relationship to Jesus Christ. But skip down a little bit, if you would, and look at verse 14. The Bible says, for as many, have you got the place? Chapter 8, verse 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the what? Somebody tell me loud. They are the sons of God. Look at the next verse. The Bible said, for ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. Boy, that's a great phrase. Let me just tell you, the devil is the author of fear. God is not in the fear business. You'll never fear anything and say, God caused me to fear that. No, the devil is the one that generates fear. The opposite of fear is what? You want to think with me is what? Faith. You cannot have faith and fear in the same container. That's the reason Jesus taught that lesson early in his ministry when a man had lost his little girl. And Jesus, knowing his little girl, because of an announcement that came up, Sir, you don't have to get Jesus to come home with you. Your daughter's already dead. You thought she's sick. Well, she's dead. You would think Jesus would turn around and say, boy, I'm sorry to hear about your loss. But he didn't do that. Anybody remember the first two words Jesus said to that man? He turned and looked at me and said what? Fear not. That's not much pastoral sympathy, is it? A man just lost his daughter. What's the next words? Watch. Fear not. Believe only. We got an option in everything that happens in our life. Our response can be I fear or our response can be what? I'm gonna put my trust in God. I'm gonna have faith. And that's what God's people need to lose. That's what God said, if you look at it again in verse 15, you've not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. Wow, but she have received what? The spirit of adoption whereby we cry, somebody tell me a Abba Father. That word Abba is the most sensitive, the closest word that God could show in a relationship, in a parental situation, but a relationship where you have a true, I mean, one-on-one relationship with your Heavenly Father. Abba, Father. Abba, Father. How many of you have children? That looked fairly good. We have four children. Here's what it looked like up here. I said, how many of you have children? It kind of looked like this. <laughs> Let's try it again. How many you have children? Good. How many you got grandchildren? Amen. How many you like I am? If you could have had your grandchildren first, you'd have probably had them. Anybody like that? i got a lot of hands on that one <laughs> you know you think about <laughs> that thing for a little bit we have four children love our four children got two boys and two girls our youngest boy's name is john john has been here to this church he was here a couple years ago when i was here he lives up in trenton georgia and if he could drive back and forth and be a member of this church he'd almost cry, but he almost cried when you i'd be here tonight and he couldn't be here john just i mean but john's our youngest son now john is six four our youngest son and he is truly a mother's boy. I don't mean he's not all man. What I mean is he takes advantage of being the youngest. You might know what I'm talking about here. So John knows how to work his mother. If you want to make a tape on how to work a mother, John could produce a tape. He knows how to do it. I have to watch it. First time I ever got an SUV, it was a Tahoe. And I was saying, do I really want to drive a Tahoe over there? I got driving. Man, I loved it. I told my wife I was going to fly in for a meeting. I said, honey, I got to go over to Burlington, North Carolina, from Chattanooga. And let's take that Tahoe. You'll enjoy riding over and back with me. The thing rides good. I like it. We're going to have a good trip. She said, okay, I'll go with you. I'm going over one night to preach, and I'm going to drive back. I'm going to drive a Tahoe over and back. Well, John and Jen had just got married. They hadn't had any children at that point. Well, she was expecting her first child. And they had a wonderful car they had a little two-door honda great little honda i come home and i walk in my luggage in my hand i walk in there's john in the kitchen in the work my mother (laughs) mode and i know i'm in trouble and i look at him and i say how are you doing son he said well i said cut it out lift your chin up everything's great just get excited and go home (laughs) and uh He's standing there, well, I got a problem. I said, you don't have a problem. There aren't anything problem, Man, you can handle it. Go. You're the man. Get out of here. His mother said, John, what's your problem? I mean, he had her. well, Jen's parents in Saginaw, Michigan, they're going to give a baby shower because this is their first grandchild, and her parents both were quite well-to-do. And we're going to get some big baby share of gifts and things like that. And I just stepped right in it. And I said, well, that's not, son. Listen, that is not a problem. That's called a blessing. Say it with me. That is a blessing. He said, Dad, I know it's going to be a blessing. I don't know how to get the gifts home. All we got is a Honda. <laughs> and my wife looks at him like she hadn't been set up and said, I think I got an idea. <laughs> Why don't we trade cars? And the next day, John and Jen get in our new, uh, to us new, Tahoe and drive to Saginaw. And June and I screw ourselves in that Honda. And we drive to Burlington, North Carolina. <laughs> you know why he got in my car? Because he's my son. If he had been anybody else's son, I'd have told him to walk. <laughs> but he's my son. How many of you believe God's a little bit better parent than you are? Anybody like that? Yeah, God's a whole lot better parent than we are. And so when we talk about, listen, Philippians 4, 19, but my God shall supply, say the word aloud with me, anybody know it? All, my God shall supply what? All your needs. Psalm chapter 37, verse 25, think about it. David had served God a lot of years. He said, I'll tell you, I was young, now I'm old. Yet have I seen a righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. That's one of the first verses I ever claimed. I got saved when I was 19 years old. Right, i finished one year at Virginia Tech, came in and a guy came to town started a church in Lynchburg, Virginia named Jerry Falwell. I bumped into him, first thing I told him, I'm an atheist. <laughs> he looked at me and said, you don't have enough sense to be an atheist. <laughs> he got me in church, I got saved two weeks later. A week after that, God called me to preach. I knew nothing about the Bible, nothing. The week after that, when God called me to preach, I didn't want to be a preacher. I've been poor my whole life. I mean, all I knew was poor, eight children, had to knock on the door to get some potatoes for Mom to fix something, and here God wants me to get a profession that has the poorest people on this earth. I wouldn't really. I would say, wow. And all of a sudden, I don't know why a couple of you, a guy gets up and preaches on this verse where David said, hey, I've been at it a long time. I've never seen my seed begging bread. And I thought about it. Man, we've had to do that. We've had to follow that road. Can I stand here and tell you tonight, listen, I thank God for this. I've got four children. I've got 11 grandchildren. God's been good to us. I've never had to beg bread. My children never had to beg bread, and my grandchildren never had to beg bread. Anybody want to give a testimony to that? Amen. How about you? Is God taking care of you? You think about it. You're a child of God. Then Psalm 37, verse 28. The Bible said, The Lord loves judgment, and forsaketh not the saints. God's not going to forsake you. You can be in the darkness tonight, the night, but God's not going to forsake you. How about Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5? What does the Bible say? I, thank you, God, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. That's pretty good, isn't it? You don't have anybody else make that commitment to you. Much As good a husband as I may want to be or you may want to be, as good a wife as you may have or she may want to be, none of us could ever stand here and say, we have never forsaken the other person. I want to tell you, God has never forsaken you. Amen. And God never will forsake you. And listen, you got a great future. First Corinthians chapter two, verse nine says, "Eyes not seen, ears not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for me and for you and for each one of us." So can I stand here and tell you? Number one, when God said, "All things work together for good," to them that love the Lord, can I stand here and tell you? Number one reason is we are the children of God. Hallelujah. Now, I'm going to give you a second reason. Write it down. Reason number two. How can I come out of Romans chapter 8 and believe that verses 2? Number two is because the Holy Spirit's praying for us. The Holy Spirit is praying for us. Now, I want you to get a hold of this one. Look with me at verse 26. Verse 26 says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our what? Give me the next word aloud. Our what? Now, wait a minute. Our, tell me. Verse. What does it say? Our what? Infirmities. Hmm. Anybody here beside me have any of those things? How many folks have some difficulties once in a while? How many folks have difficulties more than once in a while? How many of you got some physical infirmities a little bit once in a while? You know, I get around people all the time. I said, man, a few years ago, this didn't hurt, now it hurts. <laughs> Somebody said, how do you know when you're getting old? to say when well, everything I got hurts and what I can't feel. And don't hurt, I can't feel. I mean, you know. You just keep going, you just, how many glad you're gonna get a brand new body when Jesus comes back? Amen. So you begin to look at it, you got infirmities. We got infirmities. Now watch very carefully because these infirmities are very big. How many of you recognize you do not know all the infirmities you've got? How many of you recognize there's a good thing you don't? it might discourage you a little bit? How many of you know that God knows all the infirmities you have? God's not only your heavenly father, but he knows the difficulty the infirmities you have had a good friend in the ministry his name is Don Forrester Don Forrester graduated now 41 years ago in Chattanooga from Tennessee Temple University and he graduated and God called him to preach but God called him to preach he was down in the uh, lower part of Texas and Don God called him to preach Don was 11 years old had a problem with his eye went to a doctor and the doctor made a mistake and left him permanently blind when he's 13 years old, Don got saved. When he's six, 16 years old, God called him to preach, blind. And his preacher tried to talk him out of it. And I mean that in a respectful way. You can understand a man blind, and what are you going to do, son? You need to be sure. His parents, and finally he said, No, I want to go to Bible college. He gets on a bus. They were so poor, he gets on a bus, and they watch him. He goes off and gets by himself, blind, and goes to Bible college. He finishes four years in Bible college top of his class and he said i need to stay because i'm memorizing areas of theology so i can be a good preacher so i'm gonna stay in the master's program for two more years he meets a young lady named holly holly can see very attractive young lady they met fell in love they got married he said holly god wants me to go to fredericksburg virginia and start a church she said don whatever god's called you to do i'm with you the two of them got on the bus didn't have enough money for a car and 30 some years ago, got off a bus. Some of you know 95 south of Washington, D.C., where Fredericksburg is. They went to Fredericksburg, Virginia, and they started a church. You know what they did? Brother uncle, they knocked on every door in that county two times in the next month. Wow. Anybody ever walk down the street? Somebody, you know, a blind person, they hold on your arm a little bit, and you walk up, and his wife would take notes and he'd do the talking. Hello, I'm Darren Forster. God's called me here to be the pastor of Faith Baptist Church. We want you to come and be with us. We're going to teach you the Word of God, teach you to love Jesus. Would you please come? To so how's he doing? Well, if you know anything about the real estate around that area, on Route Number 7 and 17, it comes together. There's a place called Mile Strip. They own 16 acres, several million dollars per acre right now. They built three buildings. All of them have been paid cash for. They run about 575 in preaching. They have a Christian school. They have a Bible Institute. Don's one of the greatest men, one of the smartest men I've ever met. Every time, I, first time I went out to eat with him, I said, "What are you doing? You're going with a blind person to eat? You know, you don't know what to do. You're going to embarrass yourself. with a blind. Him? I just don't know. You don't know what to do." And Don goes through the line like this. He's the most comfortable thing you've ever seen. Don's a wonderful guy. First time I went there, I said, "I'm gonna fly into Reagan Airport, downtown Washington D.C., have somebody meet me in the." I didn't know he was blind. Have somebody meet me in the luggage department. I walk down there, and I'm looking for whoever's going to meet me. Here's a guy standing like if dark glasses on. I'm looking for David Wood. So I look at him. I like to cut up a little bit, and I walk right by him. i run around beside him. I stood on this side of him, stood like he did. And I said, I'm here. He said, who are you? <laughs> I said, I'm the guy whose name's on the sign in your hand. He said, good. My name's Darwin Forrester. I'm blind. Whoa. He said you got your luggage I said not yet he said well listen I know how to get to the van outside we walked down to get you I'm standing right here go get your luggage and bring it back sure enough I brought my luggage back you got it yep he said follow me he turned counts the steps stops at the door door comes open he knows where you. He, he walks on out and there's a big beautiful church van Faith Baptist Church but nobody's in it <laughs> and uh, I look at the van and I say oh, beautiful van he said well get in I'm driving I said, okay. I put my luggage in. I get in. He didn't have to tell me to buckle up. I was ready to go. So I'm sitting there. I look around. He said, you ready? I said, I think so. I said, would you do me a favor of what? He said, would you turn around and tell me when the first lane is open, give me at least, you know, 25 or 30 yards so I can pull out without hitting anybody. I thought I'm going to give him 100 yards or more. I don't know what I'm going to do here. Pretty soon, I said, Don, I think everything is all right. He said, good. He dropped it down and drives. Things fixing to go forward. He looks over at me like this, slams it up there, starts laughing at me, goes like this, and one of his men run around the corner of the building. <laughs> now, that's Don Forrester. That's Don Forrester. He built the building. They finally gave him an office, beautiful office. The, the Braille section at, at the, in Washington, D.C., has him come down and organize and set up all the Braille stuff with text stuff so that they can read the different books. His service has been called a lot. So I go in his office. He said, Brother, where do not you see my brand-new office? So I said, Great, love to see it. I walk in there. He said, Shut the door. I'm starting to shut the door. It was two years ago. I'm starting to shut the door, and I had my hand on the wall. He said, What are you looking for? I said, A light switch. He said, There aren't any lights in there. I don't need them. Have a seat. We're equal. <laughs> you know what I did? The second time I preached for Don. I don't do this a lot anymore. I used to do a lot. I went up to him. I said, Don. Would you sign my Bible? He put Don Forrester, Romans 8, 28. I still got that Bible. But I'm going to tell you something. I believe I'm a very positive person. I try to be. I try to be on top of it. I try to be everything God wants me to be. But I'm going to tell you, I don't care who you are or what you do. Once in a while, you hurt. Can I get an amen on that? Once in a while you're gonna get disappointed in somebody. And once in a while you're gonna be on the bottom. I walk in my office. Man, I walk by people. Hey, how you doing? Good to see you. Things going well, great. Everything's good, we're just going good. I'll shut the door. I'll take that Bible. I'll lay that Bible down like this on the side. And I'll look at that signature, Don Forrester, and I get on my knees in front of that and look at it. I say, God, now if you can take a blind man with the infirmities that he's got and you can keep him positive, and you can let him know that all things work together for good, then, God, I don't have any infirmities compared to that man. Would you like to say amen for your own life? Now, look what God says about your infirmities. Such a great verse for us to stop at. Look at it for just a minute. Likewise, the Spirit helpeth our infirmities, for we don't know what we ought to be praying about. We don't know the things we ought to pray about. But the Spirit itself or himself maketh prayer or intercession for us, with groanings which cannot be uttered. Ladies and gentlemen, that's not a charismatic verse. When I says groanings which cannot be uttered, what that means is I don't know what I need to pray for about myself. I don't know what my needs are. I don't know the problems going to face me. But the Holy Spirit knows what they are. And I'm going to tell you, the Holy Spirit is already praying for me before I hit those problems that I'll come out on the right side. I want to stand here and tell you with my I just want to say praise the Lord all things work together for good Amen. brother Lord how you know it because I'm a child of God number two because the Holy Spirit's praying for me you ready for number three it just keeps getting better and better look at the next couple of verses with me what's number three because write it down to the foreknowledge of God because of the foreknowledge of God brother Malcolm told me we had about an hour here tonight I said Whoo, finally I get enough time to preach now, I need about two minutes for a theology lesson. How many folks scares you to death when I see theology? Please say no. <laughs> well, theology is the study of God. That's what you do every time you come to church anyway. So I need about two minutes. Somebody raise your hand and tell me, what's the word foreknowledge mean? Let's think this through. Before we answer that, look at right after verse 28, 29. For whom he did, next word, aloud please. For no, the foreknowledge of God. For whom god did foreknow somebody tell me what's foreknowledge mean foreknowledge means knowledge when before the event happens that's exactly right you don't have to know greek or hebrew that's exactly what that means foreknowledge means i have knowledge of an event before it's going to happen anybody in this room have foreknowledge oh wait a minute we need to add a little bit to it if i really got foreknowledge i know Every event that's gonna happen before it happens. Is that okay? I got foreknowledge. Now I need to ask again. Anybody in here have foreknowledge? I don't see a hand. Surely there'd be one. I wish you did. If you come see me afterwards, I believe I could learn how to get all the money I need pretty quick for the ministry we got. If I had foreknowledge, I'd know everything before it. I'd be I'd be in pretty good shape. Now don't throw anything at me, it's like basketball game. Monday night. <laughs> I was pulling Duke would win, and I hoped they did, and they did. But I'll tell you what, I didn't know for sure they was going to win. <laughs> but if I had foreknowledge, I would have known it. Are we on the same page here? Foreknowledge. Knowledge is knowledge. Say it with me. Knowledge before an event happens. If you've got foreknowledge, <coughs> you know all events before they're going to happen. Does that mean you're able to make them happen? No. It just means you've got foreknowledge. You know they're going to happen. doesn't mean you made them happen. doesn't mean you've got anything to do with making them happen. It just simply means, foreknowledge means you've got knowledge, that all things will going to happen before they have. Nobody in here has foreknowledge. Now, I need to ask you a question. Does God have foreknowledge? Whoa, absolutely. Why? Why does God have foreknowledge? You could take me to Scripture, verse say, preacher, and God has certain parts of his character that we call the, you know, the different things, immutability of God, things like that. But God has omniscience, all knowledge. So if you've got all knowledge, you've got foreknowledge, you've got all knowledge. God has foreknowledge. Does that mean he made that event happen? No, it just means he what? Knew it was going to happen. So I'm going to, now let's think. You ready to think a little bit? Here we go. Yes or no? Did God know the very date that you were going to be born physically? Did God know the date of your birthday physically? Yes. When did he know it? Before or after it happened? Before it happened. Does that mean he made it happen at that time? Not necessarily. It just means... He knew it was going to happen. Can we use a Bible phrase for how long ago he knew it? How about this one? Before the foundation of the earth. Because he created everything. So let's say this. I'll go back and ask you again. Did God know the day that you were going to physically born before you were physically born? The answer is what? Yes. How long ago did he do it? Say that with me. Before the foundation of the earth. How did God know it? Because of his what? What part of the nature of God? His foreknowledge. Can we do that one more time? I need you to talk aloud to me because I'm going somewhere. All right, everybody look. We're on board together. Did God know the day you were going to be physically born before you were born? Yes. yes. How long ago did he know it? Before the foundation of the earth because of his foreknowledge. Good. Now, how many of you did not get saved the first time you had an opportunity to get saved? I didn't. Anybody like me? I didn't. Now, I need to ask you, talk to me. Did God know the opportunity that you were going to have to get saved at that particular time? Did God know that before it happened? Yes. (laughs) Now, how long ago did he know it? Before the foundation of the earth. Because of his... Did he make you say no? No. Did he want you to say yes? Yes because God's not willing that any should perish. We know that's in the Scripture. But God left you with what? A free choice to make about this thing. So God knew before the foundation of the earth that you were going to say no. And it broke his heart, but he knew it before he created the earth because of his? Now, one more question. Did God know the day you were going to get born again? Did he know that before you said yes to Jesus Christ? How long ago did he know it before you said yes? For the foundation of the earth. Because of his Did he make you say yes? No, because of his foreknowledge, he knew it. You can't, in the foreknowledge of God, say anything at all that he made you say yes. You just knew it before the foundation of the earth. You say, what is this all about? Read. You ready to read? Look at verse 29. The Bible said, for whom? That's you. Put your name there. I put my name, David. For David who God knew because of his foreknowledge before the foundation of the earth, he knew the day I would say yes to Jesus Christ, so God made a decision before the foundation of the earth to do something. He also did predestinate me to be, now I'm going to read the Bible wrong. Here we go. This is a Bible study night, so I'm going to read it wrong. You need to look at your Bible now. Check me out. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be saved. Bible doesn't say that. The Bible said he predestinated you to be conformed to the image of your son. It's kind of like as God said, you know, I knew David Wood was going to be saved on that day before the foundation of the earth. Everybody that's going to be saved, I'm predetermining before the foundation of the earth. Those I know are going to say yes, I'm predestinating them to be what? Conformed to the image of my son. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm not much now. But I'll tell you one thing God's got a great future for me, and God's greater a great free for you. And my Bible tells me that God is one day going to conform me completely into the image of His Son. Hallelujah. Had I known that because of the foreknowledge of God. Man, that's, that's pretty good, isn't it? You think about that for just a minute. Now, somebody walks up to you and walk up to you, do you believe in predestination? Absolutely. What do you mean? I believe in predestination based on the what tell me aloud the foreknowledge of god if we can kind of nail that thing down this is going to help you a whole lot in your christian life look at it again in verse 29 just a minute more for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed help me now into the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren verse 30 says more for whom he did what tell me aloud predestinate then he also and those whom he called them he also and those whom he justified those he also did what glorified. glorified can I say something to you when God looks at you tonight he doesn't see you in imperfection he looks at you in perfection when God looks at you he don't see you as anything that has to do with failure God looks at you complete in his son Jesus Christ because God knows and sees you tonight just as if you were totally in heaven for a 1,000 years and glorified in the presence of God. Man, what a truth. I can walk out of here and say, all things work together for good. You say, wait a minute, preach how you know it. Call him a child of God. Number two, because of what? Holy Spirit's praying for me. Number three, because of the foreknowledge of God. Keeps getting better. You ready for number four? Number four, because Jesus, the Son of God, is praying for me. Not only is the Holy Spirit praying for me, But Jesus, the Son of God, is praying for me. Read on for just a minute. Boy, do I like this. Verse 31. Let's answer some questions. Look at verse 31. What shall we say to these things? What things? Flat tire. What shall we say to these things? Washing machine breaks. What shall we say to these things? lady called me today, early this morning. And her son got drunk. Hit another car luckily did not kill the driver asked me to pray for her what does God tell her to say to that what does God it's kind of like as God said now if I had a couch up here I'd have a couch up here and God would say come on to my office now just I'm counting me a little bit like well lay down here because I'm gonna help you I'm gonna give you some advice and so, if you want to pay five hundred dollars an hour for somebody to go do that, he said, you don't, "I won't charge you a thing. I'm just going to tell you. I'm going to tell you right now what I want you to say when you have a problem. Any difficulty you have in life, i am gonna tell you what you ought to say. These are the first words that ought to come out of your mouth. What then should I say to these things? Well, let's just look in the Bible and help ourselves. What does it say? Tell me aloud. If God be for us, who can be against us? Hey, I have a problem." What am I going to say? Come on now. If God be for us, who can be? A, you don't sound very uh, like you're meaning to get excited about it. Hey, you get a problem, somebody calls you, they're sick, and you have to cry and shed tears, but you lift your voice up to heaven and say, listen, I don't understand it all, but I know one thing's true. If God be for us, come on. If God be for us, who in the world can be against us? Right. Wow, that's enough to come church for right there, isn't it? If God be for us, who can be against us? Read on for just a minute. The Bible says, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him, freely give us all things. Who shall lay? Let's answer verse 33. Verse 33 says, Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Somebody answer that question for me. Who is going to accuse you? God's making you to the image of his son. God's working everything in life, but you've got an accuser. Who, who accuses the Christian? Satan accuses the Christian I always answer this way I don't know I'm a little bit of a smart aleck so I always add this phrase to it <laughs> who accuses you the devil and every other Christian the devil can get to do his work let's quit turning each other down amen every time I criticize you I'm doing the devil's work come on give me an amen on that one because you're a child of God what business I got criticizing you? <laughs> hey if you spend your whole life turning down everybody under you and pushing down everybody under you, you know what you're going to have? rest of your life, everybody's going to turn you down and push you down. But if you'll spend your whole life reaching down and picking up the people under you and pushing up the people over you, your whole life, everybody else is going to pick you up and push you up. We need to be not discouragers. We need to be encouragers. Amen? That's an important thing to do. I cannot preach, verse 32. Brother Malcolm, I wish I could. I think Brother Terry's a great preacher here with me tonight. One of my dear friends, and I think Terry Wilson. I'm not going to tell him. I'm not going to tell him that story. They think less of both. I'm going to leave out alone. But we're really good friends, and I thank God for him. But Brother, I can't preach verse 32. I can try, but I don't know that I can. Verse 31 says, "If God be for us, who can be against us?" Verse 33 says, "Who's going to lay anything to the charge of uh, of God's elect?" We know it's the devil. And the Bible said in verse 34, Who is he that condemneth? That's the devil. It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also does what? Tell me aloud. maketh it a section for us. I can't preach that passage, but I think God's saying this. I believe God's saying, Give me your attention for just a minute. What do I want you to say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? And God says this, Hey, the devil's your accuser. Did the devil come down here and get born of a virgin? Did the devil live a sinner's life on this earth? Did the devil go to Mount Calvary and die for you? Did the devil go to the grave for you? Was the devil resurrected for you? Has the devil ever done one good thing for you? Then why in the world do we want to listen to the devil? (laughs) Amen? We as God's people ought to do what? We ought to recognize that Jesus is the Son of God is ever, not only did he do all of that, Jesus is praying for me right now. Whoa, I don't deserve that. How about you? So wait a minute. How do I know that all things work together for good? Somebody give me number one. How do I know it? Because I'm a child of God. Number two, because Holy Spirit's praying for us. Number three, because of four knowledge of God. Number four, because and I got one more. It just gets better and better. You ready for this one? One more. Boy, I wish we could somehow wrap this up and get it to us where we never would lose it, but we need to understand this and really take it for us. How can I know it? Because nothing, are you ready for this word? Boy, I wish I could say it more powerful. Nothing can ever separate us from the love of God. Whoa, powerful. I'm going to stand here and honestly tell you, I, I know a few people on the staff reasonably well. I know Brother Terry, a little bit better than I know others, and I know a couple of you that I've met a couple times before, and I've had a lot of friends down through the years, and I must stand and tell you I have failed my friends many times and wish I hadn't. You ever done that? I don't really want to fail. I've, I've been married. My wife and I have been married now 104 years. <laughs> I wish. I'm glad she's not here if you're going to laugh at us like that. I really am. But we have. We've been married 104 years. He said, how do you figure that? We just celebrated 52 years of marriage. Now, what's 52 times 52? Genius. What's 52 times 52? I mean, 52 plus 52. <laughs> well, I got, I got that one right. <laughs> what is 52 plus 52? 104 years. So we've been married at a pretty good while. Amen. I'd like to stand there and tell you, I've never failed my wife, but I have. I'd like to tell you my four children, love them deaf, i do anything for them, and, through the years, we've done a lot. But I'd like today, I've never failed my children. And This is not confession time. This is saying, I'm a sinner saved by grace. How about you? And I'm not perfect. Are you, per- anybody perfect here tonight? You probably need to come on up and finish this up if you are. I don't think we got any perfect people. I think we got imperfect people that's been washed in the blood of the Lamb. And we're children of God. Amen. So, you know what? I might let you down, and you might let me down. And I may come to you and say, Forgive me. And we need to practice those words sometime we may re-establish that relationship i want to tell you god's never had to re-establish his relationship to you god's never come along to you and say forgive me i'll let you down because god's never let you down can i get an amen on that one god never let you down he never will let you down will he he never will let you down so we need to understand something nothing can separate us from the love of god look how this great chapter ends up would you look at it with me for this minute and look at verse 35. verse 35 says this who Shall separate us from the love of Christ. There's your question. This whole chapter is built on giving you a question and making you think to provide the answer, and then God proves what he wants you to know in the answer. That's the way this chapter is laid up. So the Bible tells us in verse 35 who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Now, haven't you understand that a lot of the Psalms in the Old Testament have the word amen in it? In other words, the Jewish community, we get together in the Old Testament. And it was a God is good. The congregation would say, amen. and it would say, God's from everlasting to everlasting. Amen. And so it was the priest would get up and read something and people would say, amen. That's how this is laid out. So you be the congregation and I'm going to be the fellow that's going to read it out. Are you ready? Now, if you do wrong, we'll come back and do it again. We need it good and loud. You ready? Good, good, and loud. Yep. These kids before us, say good, good, and loud, they're not in here, but if they were, you need to show them up a little bit. Here we go. You Ready? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? Oh, my goodness. (laughs) The answer to the question is no. Let's practice one time. Say it aloud. Here's the answer. No. One more time. No. Here we go. You ready? Everybody ready? Here we go. Come on, stay with me. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword? As it is written, for thy sake, we're killed all the day long. We're counted as sheep for the slaughter. Hey, we don't have to do that. We got more persecution worldwide as ever been before. Well, what Paul is saying, they had people in his day that were martyred in person, had their heads cut off, were thrown to the lions, had persecution you and I'll never know in our lifetime. Paul couldn't help it. He said, i got to jump out in the congregation. So the first word in verse 37 is what? No. He said, Nay, no. In all these things we're more than conquerors through him that did what? Tell me aloud. Him that Love. loved us. Glory to God. Amen. Say, I am loved of God. Say it. I am loved of God. Sounds good. One more time. I am loved of God. Then Paul said, Let me give you something. He said, I am persuaded. Wow. Go back and read the first eight chapters. You're going to see some of the greatest thinking of a mind that God's ever put here to write any kind of theology of truth. And that same mind has been used of God in verse 38 to describe every circumstance you will ever face. And he says this, verse 38 For I am persuaded. That neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature, say it aloud with me, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. End of the story. I came to church Monday night. I did not know exactly what I was going to say if I saw her. Remember who I'm talking about? Young lady got saved on Sunday morning. 24 hours after she got saved, her daughter jerked her hand out of her hand, running between cars, got hit in the street, killed her daughter. I'm going to be honest, what do you say to somebody like that? Do you walk up and say, I'm sorry? Everything is... I think the one thing you can do, I don't know. I've learned maybe I I probably need some help in this, but maybe you can walk up to somebody and say, I just want you to know I care. That's about all you can say. I care. God bless you. I'm praying for you. I didn't know what to say. That's a very difficult time. Would you agree with that? But I said, she won't be back to church. She got saved Sunday morning. She probably hates God. She probably thinks she never got saved. The devil's got all kinds of things running through my mind. But I got there about 20 minutes before the service. Walked in the vestibule, turned around, and by herself walking in that door was that woman with tears coming down across her face. I wanted to walk up to her and hug her and give her the world's greatest answer, but I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what to say. She walked right up to me. I was hoping in a way she wouldn't see me. You ever been there? Because I didn't know what to say. She walked right up to me and looked up at me. She was a little shorter than I was and looked up to me. I looked down at her, and I still didn't know what to say. And she said the first thing. Here's what she said. Everything's all right in my father's house. In my father's house. In my father's house. Everything's all right in my father's house. And I wanted to see if she'd say the last word. She said, for there is joy, joy, joy. Joy. Would you sing it with me? Everything's all right. Where? My father's house. Where? In my father's house. In my father's house. Everything's all right. In my father's house. Even when there are tears, there is joy, joy, joy. Ladies and gentlemen, it might get tough. You may shed tears. Humanly speaking, you may not get an answer before you stand in the presence of Jesus Christ. But I want to stand here and tell you, upon the authority of the Scripture, which is the Word of God and the nature of God that's taught us in His Holy Word, that it does not make any difference how tough it gets. It does not make any difference whether you got an answer or not. It does not make any difference whether somebody else can give you that answer or not. You can always get on your knees and through your tears, you can look up in the lovely face of your Savior and your God and you can say, God, I believe that all things really does mean all things. Let's pray. Here's about for a moment eyes to close. How many of you tonight will say, Preacher, you know, I need to let God know tonight. Maybe I've had a little bit of a complaining spirit. Maybe I've had a little bit of God. I've been dealing in fear and not in faith. I don't know. It's tough when you go through the valley. But the God of the mountains is the God of the valley. Praise the Lord for that. The God of the mountains is the God of the valley. I've been going through a valley, but I'll tell you what. I've got a God that I can see tonight. They can work all things together for good. And I want God to know he doesn't owe me an explanation. God doesn't owe me an explanation. If I never get the answer, if it never happens, I'll tell you one thing. I'm willing to tell God tonight my faith is in him. Heads about and eyes are closed. How many of people in this room would say, I brought a problem, I brought a burden, I brought a heavy heart, and I want God to know tonight that from my heart, I believe that all things really does mean all things. Hold your hand up good and high all over the building. All over the building. Now we got about five to seven minutes left. I want to give you a moment if you'd like to do it because we're going to have you stand in just a moment. We're going to have a preacher to come and close in prayer. But if you'd like, when we stand, to leave your seat and come get on your knee at this altar and take a minute and say, God, I've come to tell you something tonight. God, I really believe tonight. I want you to know my faith, my confidence is in you. And God, I really believe that all things means all things. Stand with me all over the building. And in that motion, if you need to want to slip out of your seat and come find a place at the altar, help yourself. Just slip out of your seat and come. Find a place to pray. Here in the aisle somewhere and say, God, I've come to tell you, I believe that all things mean all things. God, I want to cast my burden. You tell us to cast all our care upon you, for you cares for it. I've come to cast. I've come to tell you my confidence, my faith is in you. Whatever burden it is, you say, can I take care of it in my seat? Yes, you can. But there's something about getting in an altar. Maybe you physically cannot bend a knee. That's okay. Just find a place you can be seated and make an altar out of that seat and say, God, I've come to tell you tonight. I really do believe that all things means all things. I've come to tell you that tonight. And God, I want to just tell you my faith is in you. And God, help me to never forget what a wonderful salvation I've got when I received Christ. Let's remain standing for prayer. Preacher.
1: Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your blessings and your goodness and Lord, for the truth that we've learned tonight, Lord, I, I know I've I seen s- several of those that are at this altar, and I know their background, and I know what they're they're facing. I know what they're they're going through right now, and Lord, there are serious, serious burdens that are being left at this altar. And God, I pray right now that you will just just move in a great way to solidify and just blaze in our hearts the truth that we heard tonight. Lord, the truth that teaches us that you are good. Lord, that, that you do all things well and that everything's going to be OK. God, I pray that you'll bless every prayer. I pray that you'll touch every heart. And God, in the midst of the storms, in the midst of the trials, in the midst of the the difficulties that we face, the infirmities that we heard about tonight, God, I pray that you will give us strength. I pray that you'll give us courage. I pray more than anything, you'll put peace in our hearts, Lord, peace in those that are praying. God, give them the peace that passeth all understanding. Lord, keep our hearts and minds, I pray. Lord, for that one that doesn't know you is our savior i pray tonight before they leave they will take one of us by the hand and let us take a bible and show them how to be saved tonight lord i pray lord that you will go with us throughout this week as we as we go out in the world to serve you and to to be a blessing and To those that we are around, I pray that you'll give us what we need to accomplish that task. Lord, I pray that you'll be with us as we come back this Sunday. Lord, to worship you and to to, uh, follow through with the series, I pray that you'll bless it also. And God will thank you and praise you for all that you do, what you have done. And Lord, what we know you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen, amen. Amen. Listen, just by way of announcement, how many of y'all got some help tonight? How many of y'all got some help tonight? Can we give God praise and glory for what you heard tonight? Amen. Man, that's good stuff. Amen. Now listen! Don't forget! Don't forget to invite your friends. Uh, Easter Sunday was part one. That is Jesus past. This coming week we're going to do Jesus present. What? In matter of fact, you heard some of it tonight. Uh, he is interceding on our behalf. Amen. So you'll get to hear some of that. Make sure and tell your friends, the ones you invited, the ones that came. Uh, remind them again. Remind them between now and Wednesday. Remind them, hey, don't forget part two. You got to get part two. I. All, how many of y'all when you were watching TV as a kid? Right at the end of the show, it seemed like it was right, right. And then all of a sudden the dreaded words come across the screen. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Hey, listen, tell them don't miss part two. Amen. And we'll have a big, big time. And all God's people said, Hey, turn around and tell your neighbor, everything's going to be all right. Amen.
2: was the struggle Haunted by ghosts that lived in my past Bound up in shackles Prisoner and say to me, son, stop. Fighting. i not gathered in vain. This is your moment, come show your power, pull back the curtain and be glorified. Unleash your mercy, send us salvation, rain down redemption on every life. Let every heart declare, deliverance is mine is your moment, this is your moment to shine. Let someone say you came in their weakness. Let someone tell how good you have been. We lift our hands in great expectation, trusting Show yourself faith hey. trembles at his voice, trembles at his voice, how great. Swat. you as you are not as you ought to be won't you lay down